All right, in your Bibles this morning, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and thanks again, brother pastor, for this opportunity. I always count it a joy to get to fill a pastor's uh, pulpit, but especially on Sunday morning. They're usually sort of stingy about letting you <laughs> have a Sunday morning uh, service, but I uh, thank you for that, brother. Always enjoy the opportunity to preach God's Word, and you know, it's not me or any other preachers, it's the Word of God that counts, and uh, so we need to be faithful about uh, giving out what God has to say. Ephesians chapter 5, and when you find your place, would you stand to your feet? You won't be standing long because we're just going to look at one verse, and uh, it's a pretty short verse actually, but man, it's packed. It's packed. Ephesians chapter 5, won't you look at verse number 20? If you found your place there, say amen. Amen. I think that's most of you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor, would you pray for us this morning? Almighty Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather around your word. We ask now that as the word is being preached, you would open our understanding that we might understand the scriptures. Pray that you would anoint this man of God, the Speak to hearts, save the lost. We pray yes. for the believer. We ask that you would deal with the backslider this morning. For Christ's sake, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You may be seated. Now I know what you're thinking. This is not the fourth Thursday in November, or the Sunday following the. Is that the way it goes? <laughs> or the Sunday preceding the fourth Thursday. In November, this is not Thanksgiving week, or should it be? Why should we just thank the Lord one Sunday out of the year? In fact, uh, I think we ought to thank the Lord 365 days a year. And you know, this is leap year, so we ought to be thanking the Lord 366 days (laughs) out of the year 2020. And uh, Pastor, I, I... I agree with you about the the holidays, you know, except Easter. Now, you can't help but preach about the resurrection (laughs) on Easter Sunday. Boy, it wouldn't be Easter unless you preached on the resurrection. But uh, in Christmas, you know, I understand that. But Mother's Day and Father's Day, and and I'm not against Mother's Day sermons or Father's Day sermons per se, but just like Thanksgiving, why should we just hold off and only preach about Thanksgiving one time a year? (laughs) You know what I'm getting at? I mean, if it's the word of God, preach it, brother. Amen. You know, if, if the mothers need preaching too, preach to them on Christmas, brother, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if the fathers need preach too, preach to them on Easter, you know. It's all the word of God and we need to preach it, the whole council. So anyway, we're looking at Thanksgiving today. We're in May, <laughs> but we're preaching on Thanksgiving. You know, when you think about this verse, it may be the hardest Command in the Bible to obey. But I think it's the one command that if we'll learn to obey it, it could be the command that would bring the greatest blessing to our lives. You know, I think there's about four levels in life. A lot of people on this first level, I call it constant complaining. You know, you ever met anybody that's constantly complaining? I mean, folks that just seemingly never can be pleased. You know anybody like that? Maybe you're like that. I don't know. I heard about a woman. She, she had a husband like that, and she, she decided to get out of bed one morning determined to please her husband. 
I mean, he was a griper. He was a complainer. So she got out of bed and she asked him, she said, honey, what would you like for breakfast? I'll fix you anything you'd like. He said, all right, I'd like two pieces of toast, one wheat bread, lightly buttered, one piece of white bread, toasted, nothing on it. He said, you got that? She said, I got it. She, he said, I'd like to have two eggs, one fried over easy, the other egg scrambled. She said, you got it? She said, I got it. So she went into the kitchen. She started preparing her husband a wonderful breakfast. She brought it out to him, served it to him at the kitchen table, and she watched him as he ate that breakfast. And sure enough, before long, he had a sad expression on his face. She said, what's wrong now? He said, you fried the wrong egg. <laughs> you know anybody like that? <laughs> now, that's ridiculous, I know, but it's also ridiculous to never give God the thanks that he so deserves and to, to be constantly complaining. Well, well there's other levels here. Yeah, there's another level, level just above that one. I, I call it simple ingratitude. That's where people are like a hog <laughs> eating acorns under a oak tree without ever looking up to see where those acorns fell from. They just simply are un ungrateful. And then there's a, a level above that, I think, is where people are grateful, but they're only grateful for obvious blessings. I think a lot of folks probably fall in this category. That's where they thank God if they have food. They thank God for their food. If they have good health, they thank God for their health. But they only remember to thank the Lord for they're obvious blessings. Is there a better level than that? I think there is one more level. It's the biblical level. That's where we should be giving thanks always for all things. I think that's the highest level in life. I think it's the level that will help you and me get through life. <laughs> if we'll learn to be thankful always for all things. I heard a tale of a man who found the devil's seed barn. Now this was a barn where the devil kept all of his Seeds that he would sow into the hearts and the lives of the people. And the man noticed that Satan had a, a superabundance of one certain type of seed. It was called the seed of discouragement. Has he ever used that one on you? Well, the man asked Satan, he said, well, why do you have so many seeds of discouragement? And the devil said, well, I have found that if I can get the seed of discouragement into a person's life, then I can get almost anything else I want to in their life. And furthermore, he said, I have found that the seeds of discouragement will sprout almost anywhere except in the heart of a grateful person. You know, Bob Jones Sr. used to say, when gratitude dies on the heart or, or on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. I believe that's true, don't you? Thanksgiving. Look at it again, Ephesians chapter three, verse, or five, verse 20. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, that phrase there is all things, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, we'd like to think that all things, that phrase there just has to do with the good things, right? <laughs> we, we human 
creatures, we, uh, we sort of like all the good things, but we don't care for the bad things too much, do we? <laughs> but what does the Bible say when it says uh, that we should give thanks for all things always? And then in Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things, both the good and the bad, you know, I think that verse has the idea of sort of like a orchestration. God is orchestrating all these events in our life, whether they be good or whether they be bad, for our good and for his glory, right? And so uh, I think it applies even during these days of COVID-19 that God is using these things. If you love God, that is, he's using these things for, for our good and for our betterment and for his glory. So, uh, you know, the, our verse that we're looking at says all things as well. Well, what should be the extent of our thanksgiving? First of all, look at the word always. Again, giving thanks always. Now, why should we give thanks to the Lord always? Well, may I say to you that blessings never cease, and therefore our thanksgiving should never cease. <laughs> Psalm 68, 19 said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Now, I was reading along in Psalms years ago, and I, when I first saw that word Selah, I wonder what in the world does that mean? I'm understanding it's a musical thing, but uh, it also has a meaning, the word selah. Well, we were in a preacher's conference one time over in uh, Sevierville, Tennessee, and uh, a bunch of preachers were preaching, and they got this old country preacher up to preach. And I love to hear these old country, you know, preachers from the way backwoods, you know, because they always give you something you never thought of. And uh, this preacher got up and he, he was reading along in the Psalms. He come across that word selah. He said, I'll tell you what that word selah means. It means, what about that? <laughs> what about that? I think it's pretty close, don't you? Meditate on this. Think on this. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. Selah. What about that? <laughs> Think about that. Meditate on that. Lamentations 3.23, talking about the mercies of the Lord. He says, they are new every morning. Then he says, great is thy faithfulness. Philippians 4.6 says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. I think thanksgiving ought to be included in every prayer every day of our lives because blessings never cease. Now, if you ask God for more blessings, now we tend to ask God for more blessings and nothing wrong with that, but if you ask God for more blessings and you fail to thank him for the blessings he's already given you, how wicked is that? How sinful is that? Well, we ought to be thankful to the Lord. There was a famous British writer and poet, Rudyard Kipling was his name. He was back in the day in the early 1900s. Uh, in fact, I was reading some uh, memoirs of Winston Churchill the other day, and he referred to this writer. And uh, he was very popular in, back in the day over in England. He was gaining so much fame and notoriety at one point in his career that it was said that he was being paid as much as 10 shillings for every word he would write. I suppose that was a lot of money 
in Britain back in the day, 10 shillings for every word. And some young aspiring journalists, college students, they found out about it. They got jealous. They got envious about Mr. Kipling making all that money. So they decided to play a joke on Mr. Kipling. They sent him a, a, a letter in the mail asking him to write them back. And of course, they put 10 shillings in the note. They told him to write back and give them his best word. <laughs> he wrote them back. Thanks. <laughs> That's a pretty good word, isn't it? <laughs> Powerful word. Thanks <laughs> for that 10 shillings. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. The extent of our thanksgiving, what should it be? It should be always. Perpetual. Our thanks should be. Our thanks should never cease because God's blessings never cease. Think secondly with me today about the expansiveness of thanksgiving. In other words, what should it cover? Well, the Bible says it should cover all things. Look at it. Again, Ephesians 5, 20. Giving thanks always for all things. Just the good things? No, we, we covered that, didn't we? All means all, doesn't it? That's both the good and the bad things. The Bible says we should thank God for it. Why? Why should we thank God for all things? Well, God rules over all things. Does God make any mistakes? No, he doeth all things well. Let's back up a verse. Look at verse number 19. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You don't think music is important? <laughs> it's important, brother. Music, good music is so powerful. And it's so God-honoring if we'll use it properly. I think about Fanny Crosby. May I say to you, you know, no matter what happens in our lives, we ought to have a song in our heart. Have you been singing to the Lord lately? Shame on you if you haven't been because he deserves our praise. <laughs> we ought to have a song in our heart even during this uh, coronavirus thing. We ought to be praising the Lord no matter what happens. I think about Fanny Crosby, the great songwriter. Brother, she was born with eyesight. Did you know that? She was not blind when she was born. She had an eye problem. They got the doctor to come and look at her and he put some kind of salve in her eyes, put her eyes out blinded her for life. I think that might be worse than being born blind because she had seen the light of God's creation. And, uh, but then to be made blind after you knew all what you were missing, I think might be worse. But did she let that stop her? Did she crawl in a dark dungeon and just get bitter on God? No. Boy, she was a pro prolific songwriter. You know, she wrote over 8,000 hymns. 8,000. A lot of them are in our hymnals today. What are some of Fanny Mae Crosby's songs? Anybody tell me some of them? Rescue the Perishing. Boy, that's a good one. Ma'am? I Shall Know Him. Boy. By the nail print in his hands. What's another one? Safe in the arms of Jesus? Okay. What about Blessed Assurance? She wrote that one. Well, that's a, that's a favorite. Uh, All the Way My Savior Leads Me? She wrote that one. Uh, 
Could you sing that with me? Do we know the words? I think we do. Sing with me. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercies who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know what e'er befall me, For I know what e'er befall me. Well, y'all got some singers here, brother. I mean, you could make a choir out of this whole congregation. I heard the four parts even. Man, that's wonderful. All the way, my Savior leads me. Isn't that a good song? Did you notice the last line? Jesus doeth all things well. He rules over all things, and he ruleth well. You know, we should give the Lord thanks, certainly, about the obvious things. For instance, water. When's the last time you thank the Lord for good water? Pastor, you're from Georgia, right? Amen. Some of the best water I ever drank came from that granite rock mountain water in Georgia, Amen. near Blue Ridge. In fact, the lady, she sells water from Blue Ridge. We know her personally. It's in the grocery stores back home. I'm from South Carolina. Boy, we had some good well water. I can remember as a boy growing up. Brother, if you had ever told me that I'd ever be buying water <laughs> when I was a kid, I would have laughed in your face. That's all I do now is buy water. <laughs> and, uh, man, water. Good, cool, clear, crystal clean water. We ought to thank God for water. Yes, sir. Ladies, when's the last time you thank God for dirty dishes. Huh? <laughs> I mean, really? You say, well, why should I thank God for dirty dishes? Well, it means you had a meal. How many people across the world, third world countries especially, would like to have some dirty dishes? Or even have dishes for that matter. <laughs> because it would mean they had a meal. We fail to think about things like that sometimes. We ought to thank God for the obvious blessings, but not only that, we ought to thank God for sorrowful things. I told you this may be one of the hardest commands in the entire Bible to obey. It did say all things, right? Sorrowful things, what, what do you mean by that, brother? Well, I mean hurtful things. You have been hurt. Problems. Heartaches, pain. Really? We should thank God for those things? Well, it says all things, didn't it? Now, Paul's the writer here <laughs> under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he's the human writer of Ephesians. Where is he at? He's in a prison cell. Why was he in prison? Well, he had been unjustly accused. You ever been unjustly accused? Paul had been unjustly accused of starting a riot and it drove him out of town. Here we find him in prison writing words like this, give God thanks always for all things. Paul knew something about suffering, didn't he? You know, trouble 
has a way of crowding us to Christ. Maybe that's why the Lord's letting this virus thing break out. It might cause some people to get saved. I don't know. I think it will. Boy, you ought to let it push you to the Lord, not push you away from him. The devil would like to push you away from Jesus. Don't let it push you away from Jesus. Let it push you away to, to God. Push you closer to him. Trouble crowds us to Christ. You know, God rules over all, but he also overrules many times. Why will the Lord let trouble enter our lives? Sometimes it's to correct us. You know that? If you're saved, Hebrews 12, 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. David said in Psalm 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. You know, the Lord, he chastens those that he loves. The Bible says, if you're saved, you'll be chastened by the Lord. I thank God for his chastening hand. You know why, Pastor? It lets me know I'm one of his. <laughs> it's a blessing to be chastened by the Lord because he only chastens his children. You know, trouble sometimes will cause a greater, greater dependency upon God. The Lord will allow that to happen. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about that thorn in the flesh. You got a thorn in the flesh? I got one. <laughs> What's your thorn in the flesh? Mine's gout. <laughs> Boy, I, I wouldn't wish gout on nobody but the devil. <laughs> you say, well, it wouldn't stop him. It might slow him down. <laughs> The devil can have all the gout, I tell you. Gout's rough. Well, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I don't know what it was. Some people think maybe eyesight or something else. We don't know for sure. But God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Paul cried out to the Lord three times, the Bible says, Lord, please take away <laughs> this thorn, this hindrance in my life. The Lord answered his prayer. It's not always this. The Lord said, no, Paul. He said, I'm not going to take away that thorn. But he said, I'll tell you what I will do. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. <laughs> God let him keep that thorn. We don't know why. We don't know why. But sometimes these things create a greater dependency upon God. Not only that, trouble sometimes, troubles and trials, suffering. It can confirm our testimonies to other people. You know, when we endure suffering, when we endure hardship and we keep on praising God anyhow, you know what that does? It shuts the devil's mouth. Again, Paul is in prison. Turn over a page or two. We're right next to Philippians here. Turn over a page or two in Philippians chapter one. Look at verse number 12. Philippians chapter one. Verse number 12, he says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Again, Paul is writing from a prison cell. <laughs> Seemed like he wrote a whole lot of the Bible. You know, probably Paul, when he came to a new town, he probably didn't ask where the motels were. He probably said, where's your prisons? Because that's, that's where I'm going to end up. <laughs> what is he saying here? It doesn't matter if I'm in prison. As long as the gospel's being spread, as long as the gospel's being furthered, 
It's worth it. Turn over another page. At least in my Bible, you turn over to verse 29. Philippians 1.29, he says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. I think we need to get a hold of this thing called suffering. Sometimes it causes a greater dependence, a greater dependency upon God. Not only that, it can bring us to a deeper maturity in Christ. Trouble does. Again, Psalm 119.71, he says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, David says, that I might learn thy statutes. Paul had already suffered shipwrecks. He had suffered beatings. He had suffered uh, mockings and persecution, hunger, thirst, nakedness, character assassination. He knew about all that stuff, but yet he's writing to us, giving thanks always for all things unto God. You know what God's priority for us is, for you and for me? It's not health and wealth. We got a lot of health and wealth preachers today, don't we? If you do this, you'll be healthy. If you do this, you'll be prosperous. <laughs> well, that's not God's main priority for you. I'll surprise you with this statement, perhaps. God's main priority for you is not even service or even usefulness. Did you get that? Now, God wants us to be useful. God wants us to Serve him, no doubt, but that's not God's main priority. I'm talking about God's main priority for you and for me. What is it? Is that we might become more mature in Christ. That's it. That we might become more like Jesus. That's God's main goal for you and for me. And finally, God may use suffering and troubles and trials in our lives to bring the excelling glory of God into our lives. There have been some people that have experienced this. I'm not sure that I have. But I know some in the scriptures that did. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers in Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Now I think about Stephen, the first martyr that we know of in the scriptures and Acts, one of the first deacons, great man of God. He was preaching the gospel. The people got so mad at Stephen for preaching about Jesus, they started picking up big stones, started stoning Stephen to death as he was right in the middle of preaching a sermon. Hadn't <laughs> quite got that bad for us yet, has it? <laughs> Kept right on preaching right up until the last brother. And at one point, the Bible says he looked up and he saw Jesus. I guess he was the only one that could see this, but he saw Jesus not seated at the right hand of, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
Jesus was paying attention, wasn't he? To what his servant was going through for him. And, you know, Pastor, I don't have any scripture for this. This is the gospel according to Brent, all right? <laughs> I'll put that in. You know, those big stones had to hurt. How'd you like to get hit up beside the head of big rock? All over your body, people hurling big stones at you, stoning you to death. You know, that would be very painful. But I got a feeling that when Stephen looked up and saw Jesus, <laughs> I don't believe he felt a thing after that. He saw the glory of God, brother. The glory of God. Heaven came down <laughs> and glory filled his soul. Think about the three Hebrew children. You know the story how that Nebuchadnezzar set up that great golden image and he said, at the sound of the music, which that was not the right kind of music, it was the devil's music. <laughs> he said, at the sound of the music, fall down and worship my image. He said, if you don't, there'll be consequences. You'll get cast in the fiery furnace. <laughs> what did old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? They said, oh king, we're not gonna bow. They said, you can throw us in the furnace. They said, our God is able to deliver us. <laughs> but even if he chooses not to deliver us, what did they say? We're still not going to bow. <laughs> and so, brother, they played the music. Everybody, I guess, fell down to their knees. Except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were standing. So they were easy to pick out. <laughs> they commanded them to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Not only that, the Bible says they heated it up seven times hotter. It was so hot that the flames flew out when they opened the door and consumed the men who were trying to throw them in. They threw them into that fiery furnace and the Bible says that the king came down later. He was curious to see what was going on. They, he said, open up the door. I want to look in. They opened up the door of that fiery furnace. He looked in. He said, I thought we threw three men in the fire. He says, there's a fourth man walking around and the fourth is like unto the son of God. <laughs> Brother, they experienced the glory of God. The Bible says when they came out, not a hair on their head was singed. They didn't have the smell of smoke on their clothes. God miraculously preserved those fellows right in the midst of that fire. They experienced the glory of God. God can do that. We talked about Thanksgiving. We talked about the expansiveness of, let's talk thirdly and lastly this morning. This is very short now about the efficacy of thankfulness. Look at it again. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that there's power there's power in being thankful to God, truly thankful. There's power in that. There's strength in that. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Psalm 68.19 again says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. 
Now, Satan would like you to think different from that. But we serve a good God. I tell you what, unthankfulness is a wicked sin. In fact, the Bible talks about in the last days, one of the marks of the last days, people would be unthankful. Shakespeare once said this, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Well, I don't want to be a thankless child, do you? I want to be a child of God that knows how to be thankful every single day. Notice it says to, to where to be thankful for all things, always unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's important. The Bible says that we're to pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> Why? Because you want to get your prayers answered. There's power in that name. You need to pray in Jesus' name. God will pay attention to your prayers if you pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> but we also ought to give thanks in Jesus' name. There's power in that kind of thanksgiving. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this good day and all your blessings. I pray, Lord, as the pastor comes and leads the invitation, Lord, we might be submissive to your will for our lives, Lord. Or whether it be correction, whether it be Lord, just to learn how to be more dependent upon you, we might learn the lessons of being thankful. We pray it all in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.